back on for another episode of Clock Choke. Today we go on site and we talk with legendary surfer, style icon, jiu-jitsu world champion, Joel Tudor. We just kind of break down a bunch of stuff that he's been doing within the surf culture and also in jiu-jitsu culture and also his new gym, Surf Fight, in Del Mar, San Diego, California. So without further ado, let's jump in. Hey, Joel. How are you, man? What's What's been happening? What's going on now? Yeah, we opened school in March, which was uh, obviously a bit of a challenge, but, you know, we've been able to kind of navigate away around, uh, you know, being able to stay open and be able to train, which is super crucial for people's health, you know what I mean, especially mental health and, and, and social activity is, is super uh, important for a lot of people that are antisocial, you know what I mean? It's, you know, because so many people have so much seclusion in the last year of, of being on their own. I think it was kind of important for our past students and for the ones that we've acquired since we've been open to at least have a somewhere consistent where they can like feel safe and, and you know, get it out. That's, that's, I mean, for me, that's what jiu-jitsu was. It was a, a second outlet uh, on the side of surfing that kind of gave uh, surfing a, a rebirth. And I think for a lot of people, jiu-jitsu does the same thing just for their own personal benefit of, uh, you know, needing contact with other humans. And on and physical contact, do you know what I mean? Because a lot of people don't have it. It's, and in here, it's like a big family. Most schools kind of turn into that. It's like a family environment. And I think that's the draw why a lot of people get into it, you know? And uh, a lot of people, some people know and some people don't know. What what was like the, the, the short summary of how you started and how that kind of came about? Well, it was Hawaii that got me into it. But in Hawaii, it was the first place, I think it was three, I watched the first or second UFC at a lifeguard's house. And then he had all the Gracie in action videos. Because at that time, Hawaii, I think, house had moved there in 1985. People over there got to watch it firsthand. Do you know what I mean? Not just the, not just the videos, but uh, you know, Brazilians visiting that were tying people up and, and being able to do things that weren't seemed possible prior in in, in physical you know conflict situations. So the respect level grew. You know what I mean? And by the time I got there, most of the lifeguards who serve as part time cops. Do you know what I mean? That really is the truth. They deal with a lot of stuff, breaking stuff up and theft. And, a lot of them train. So the guy I lived with was a boxer. He hated it. He always talked shit. You guys rolling around on the ground together. You know, thought it was like funny. But he actually showed me the first one. And then in the uh, early 2000s, I think it was like 2001 or 2002, one of my friends jumped on my back. And I could not believe the control. I mean, I was stuck. You know, and that that tripped me out because I've been in fights before, but I'd never been stuck like that. So it kind of kicked the catalyst of interest. And then a couple of months later, I was with uh, my ex-wife and we were walking through Pacific Beach and I ran into a friend from elementary who was training at Rodrigo's. He was actually painting at camp at that time as a purple belt. And he got me into it. He was like, you really need to come check this out. And so I went. And that's, that was almost, I'm going to be 45 this coming year. I started when I was 25. So I'm coming up on 20 years. So that was close to 20 years in San Diego. And what, what, what has, like, what has it been for you starting, you know, kind of training in PB at, uh, at Carlson's and then kind of like transferring and kind of doing what you're doing now? Cause what you're doing now, in my opinion, is a completely different of what the what average I was doing, gym is. Yeah. Yeah. Totally separate. And, and I came from, you know, a hole in the wall gym that, that, uh, 
you know, English was really not the first language and, and, and uh, broken English was definitely the first language that you kind of had to like learn on your own. But it was cool. I ended up learning a lot about Brazilian culture. I mean, I'd been there a ton through surf contests and different shit, but I didn't really know. And there's some funny dudes, man. And I came from a heckling environment. Do you know what I mean? I was a longboarder in the 80s and 90s. So I got heckled my whole life and it was tough love. They are all about it. And jiu-jitsu, so I felt right at home with all the shit giving and shit talking and, and, and genuine love. You know what I mean? I also hated a lot of things. A lot of the master and servant shit bothered me. But like, the family environment and, and the humor was what kept me like, interested. You know what I mean? I thought it was cool that everyone was so tough but so funny at the same time, you know, and that, that's, that to me just takes away the stigma of like tough guys. Obviously there's knuckleheads in every gym, but I think in the environment in Carlson in particular, everyone's tough as shit. You know that right off the bat, there's some funny personalities that come out of those kind of environments. That's, that's what I experienced. So that was why I thought it was cool. My time there was all about competing. It was all I did. And, and, and I had just had a kid and I had all the time in the world between babysitting, toddler surfing. And at that point, man, my career had been really freaking long. By the time I got into jiu-jitsu, I had a really long go already in, in professional surfing. I needed something to take my interest away. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Because at 24, I broke my arm. And that was kind of the end of my skateboard. After I busted my elbow, I was like, I ain't doing it. Because I had broke my teeth and done all this other shit. Broke my wrist multiple times, you know, and I was just like... Okay, that one put skateboarding on the back burner, you know, and then the next year I got into jiu-jitsu. Well, you were saying there's a lot of similarities from with, between surfing and jiu-jitsu, and you said something that, that was interesting where you were saying, like, you, you grew up in, like, a heckling world, and, you know, specifically being a longboarder versus, like, a shortboarder, um, and... Like some people know, but many people don't know, like you're basically the one that created style and added like the next level of flair and style to longboarding, in my opinion. Like it always had style, but you like made it like it was ultra around. cool. People give a lot of credit. <laughs> it was always around. I just saw a certain part of it that was being neglected and I went that direction. And I was kind of, I knew when I was doing that, that it was going to catch on because I was in, I was in the thick of the other stuff. I was one of the best in the world. So it's like I... It wasn't like I was not participating in what was going on. I knew what was going on was not the direction it needed to go. And I just kind of pulled the brakes. And then I had the network to be able to pull the brakes, not the money, but all the old dudes to go and dig from. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and that totally. was where I, 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 I did the homework. While everyone else was sleeping, I did it. And, and, and put the time in and did the ass kissing. and You know what I mean? And paid the dues and did all that shit. And then it, it did catch on. Do you know what I mean? It was like the, the, these little pockets all around the world started growing and the culture started going. And I was sitting back watching it. It's like, you know, kind of laughing because I'd be telling my bosses, you know, I'm like, guys, you know, this shit's taking off. And, and actually, the part that's cool is my, my longest boss, Scott Sismas, uh, he watched it, but he was in a different division of bands at that time where I was like, all this stuff was happening. He was running snow and being a uh, part time escape. And then when he took over the surf part, he kind of was the one that like within like three years, you know, came to me and was like, okay, we got the money to do these contests and all this other stuff. And it, it just, it pushed me into a different, you know, it gave me a, a, a long-term uh, employment where just being a competitor wasn't the only thing, you know, which is important. It looks like we've got some visitors Thank opening the door, right? Who, who's that? Mr. These are uh, students. <laughs> What's up there? What's up, Jeff? Just be quiet. They're interviewing me. You guys can... Oh. No, 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 no. On, on, this, on the same one tutor, we got um, 
you're talking about style and culture and like, it seems like there's a, I mean, in this gym alone, like this is probably one of the coolest cultured gyms I've seen. It's not as sterile as your average gym. Like where, where do you see, where do you see it? Where do you see it being now? Like within like style and culture within jujitsu now with what you're trying to do with surf fight. So I came from a small gym. We were five time national champions, right? And we were like a hole in the wall. I've seen the growth of super gyms, right? And I also know friends that have done it. So I know the, the financial strain of committing to that kind of stuff. I've also watched people grow in the super gyms that they did it over time with student growth and people like Henzo who started in an AIDS clinic. Do you know what I mean? And then moved to a basement and then the basement grew to another room to another room as the students grow. So that's kind of the way you do it. But not everyone's in Tulsa. You know what I mean? And not many people have the charisma that he has to be able to like have that many students that take interest in, and wanting to like proudly represent his school. He's also for a long time, people slept on that he was one of the best schools in the nation. I knew it. That's why I started going there, but it wasn't until time and these guys rose to success that people started to understand. There's a lot of like, you know, he's a good example. I think a lot of people get carried away sometimes and, and getting ahead of themselves. Andre's another example started with a room like this. His first Atos was like this. Exactly. It was right next to Roberto's. I used to go. You know what I mean? No, under a long time. Look at him now. But he's the best team in the world. Do you know what I mean? Like, he can have a facility like that because he's the best. I just feel like people forget that you have to, like, crawl before you get to, You know what I mean? You can't get up and run. You got to take little baby steps. And, and, and to, to, to commit to having that kind of shit. Like, this is easy. It's easy to clean. All the stuff you look around here is just shit I collected over, you know, 20 years of thrifting. It was actually rotting in my garage, most of it. And this finally just gave me an opportunity to put it up on the wall and do different stuff. And it's also good because it's like the story of surfing and jiu-jitsu, people don't really know. It's always been part of culture. They surfed in the summer, they trained in the winter. Always, 100%. If you ever went to Rio, first time I went in 1990, I saw dudes carrying geese because I stayed in Baja. You know, I was right down the street from the original Baja Gracie. I didn't know what they were doing. I thought it was karate or whatever. But... I got to see it. What, what are the things? What are the things you you like most about the culture with the, the culture within jujitsu specifically? Uh, like I said, it's such a tough environment, and I boxed. Boxing's not the same. Boxing's not the same at all. People are not friendly in boxing, and it also doesn't in, invite the same kind of people at all. You know what I mean? It's a tough kind of attitude. You know, and it's like in jujitsu, you're constantly humbled because someone will show up at your gym and smash you at some point. You know what I mean? And no one's the best. Everyone's got some kind of like uh, kryptonite in their, you know what I mean? In the thing. So I think it keeps everyone on a humble level. And it also takes so goddamn long to get your black belt that it, it really eliminates it becoming watered down. I hear people say it's watered down, but like Majin, I don't get belts out at all. We don't even give them out. It's almost like a joke. <laughs> the truth, we don't. We don't get. We we'll give them out every now and then if you really deserve it. I ain't giving it to you out of like sympathy, or because you have fucking stripes on your belt, or you came to thirty classes. Fuck off. Amazing. Go train somewhere else. Amazing. You know what I mean? Because it's like I would rather give it to someone that made a lifetime of commitment and effort, and actually is going to continue to train. If anything, through all the stuff in the last year, I cannot fucking believe how many people quit. When you need it more than ever. I can't believe it. I'm like, that part is, when you could, yeah, you could use it more than ever. Oh my God. That part's been kind of baffling. Black belts stopped. You know, and stopped talking to their teachers. Like, it's been crazy shit. On the, on, the flip, on the flip side of that, you mentioned some stuff that you didn't care too much about. 
what are you know the whole master thing the whole like you yeah know, that part's kind of disgusting like, say yeah. hey, i have to call you master hey you have to, you I have to believe in everything yeah. you say what, what, what are some of the bad things that you you hate uh, that like a I'm lot of taking gyms. advantage of people that shit sucks you know what i mean i am all about paying dues they're not your slave you know what I mean? <laughs> your slave. they're not your slave dude and and there's a respect level you can't do that to people uh, i, I kind of have seen it at its worst right so i just do my best to make sure that that shit never happens here and it's cool. You're, you're the network you create. You have friends that'll, you know, jiu-jitsu people jump in front of your, your students and friends you grew up with your belts. I mean, they'll jump in front of a bus for you. Obviously there's some scumbags in every academy, but the majority you create a bond and a friendship from what I've noticed. I mean, I've been friends with all these guys for a really long time and surfing's coastal where jiu-jitsu is like global, you know, uh, I've traveled across the United States and trained the entire way. And the way back, it's pretty cool, you know? It's interesting you say that because the next question was really just like, do you think grappling will ever be as accessible as surfing? I mean, it is more accessible. When I land somewhere to surf, I don't get direct messages from people. I'm like, dude, there's a school and fucking blah, 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 blah. We'll pick you up. I I get that everywhere I go. Every time. As soon as I put a picture up of where we're at, someone will text, dude, Thursday, Friday, you know what I mean? Like every time. And I do my best to go. I try and go. I've gotten picked up and trained everywhere it's pretty cool and so that part is a little different than surfing surfing ain't no one inviting you anywhere and they don't want you showing up and jiu-jitsu they're stuck to have you there and then they're like well, what are you doing later take you to you know I mean, it's cool it's so you you've been around some of the big like seeing you know niche sports or board sports go like mainstream like what do you think are some of the big ones that are holding back jujitsu from kind of growing into that like a bigger role from like a from a viewership role not so much like people who love it like us uh, uh, I, I personally think promoters have to like remember that it's a, it's a love affair in the beginning, and we haven't reached a, a, an area of like there's not enough money in it to be like giving out this like some of the stuff that they're putting they're putting non-reality numbers on things until it's not grown to that point. And 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 dude, judokas do it for free, okay. Do you know what I mean? And that's the part. It's not that you can't make money on it. You can't, but I just think you have to, like, there needs to be some, it's, I, like, what Glover's doing is cool at the moment, you know? His little, like, events he's throwing that are pop-ups are really cool. I just think there needs to be some, uh, it needs the less less pro-wrestling vibe. <laughs> and you think it's a little too inflated right now? You think it's a little too inflated? Everybody wants to get paid now. nightclub smoke screens and shit and smoke machines. We can't run like, we can't run jujitsu organizations like MMA events anymore. We can't do that. Remember Mike Tyson used to walk out with, you know, the hole in the towel? It's like where we need to go back to. You know? It's truth. It's just down to the basics where it's about the art. That's why those little videos are so cool when you watch them. There was no stare downs the fuck is a stare down at a jiu-jitsu tournament are you serious so bad it's the stupidest shit i've ever seen so bad. you're going to grapple you're not <laughs> fighting each other let's in on that that's that's my point exactly well, why are we have stare downs but, like we're copying teams? we're copying boxing yeah, 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 like, jiu-jitsu we like to copy shit you yeah, know? yeah no, like, we don't need to we have our own culture i know i know, I know but you know some rule adjustments uh i think you know Having it not be completely in control of a uh, of Brazilians is a start. Wow, that's I agree. I agree. Uh, to, I agree. To, that area needs to come to sure. a fucking end because the favoritism and the fa- you know and the stuff that you guys do to bend over to help each other. <laughs> you want this shit to be an international sport? You better fucking let some of this you know uh, 
let some of the rules be made by other people. I agree on that. From other countries that you're tripping. Other countries, all countries, right? Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Come on, let's have a diverse uh, rules. Let's have a diverse rule set on like, how these rules get set. Right? Yeah, dude. I, I go go to one of the rules things. Look at all. They're all fam- they're all in the same family for Christ's sake. <laughs> you know what I mean? You gotta like it. Just can't work like that. Yeah, for sure. And, and they should learn that at a bare minimum. Take a judo. There's a reason why judo is it's an international committee. Obviously, it's like ruled by the Brazilian, I mean, by the Japanese, but they have to listen to the Europeans and everybody. All the other countries as well. To make sure. fair, so. well. Let's get into the last one, too. This is one that's probably key because you started jiu-jitsu a little later as well, not like in your no, I wasn't teens. Young at all. I was 25. So, like, knowing what you know now and also watching people train and get beat up, big, small, what's, what's your advice about? training while you're getting older and, you know, to like the newer generation, train hard, break out your body. What's your deal? You know, you have to have a routine of other things. What's that saying? Uh, with surfing, they're like, when you're young, surfing is training. When you get older, you have to train to surf. It's kind of the same thing that you did. So you have to do other things to be able to put your body through the damage that you're doing. Cause I, I hate to tell you, this isn't a gentle sport. They call it the gentle art. You're fucking tripping. You're tripping, dude. Do you think sometimes you do you think sometimes you sometimes dude, I'm like a chiropractor because I learned about it through injury. I swear to God. I like I can tell you how long your injuries are gonna take. I've learned more about anatomy in the last twenty years through through this shit because I know how to fold people and break shit. You learn how to you, part of, of 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 like samurai culture is healing. You know what I mean? Being a healer and being able to do it. And when you put enough time in this, you learn how to heal shit, you know, to give advice. Like I can tell you not to go to the doctor. I swear to God, I tell people about the injuries. I'm like, don't go to the doctor. You're going to waste 700 bucks. And they come back and the fucking doctor tells them exactly what I told them. Like exactly. You know what I mean? And I'm like, what did I tell you? I told you. And it's not a matter of like, I know everything. It's just, dude, this shit, you get so much knowledge out of this. And that's what people don't understand. What's that's why it takes so long to get your black belt. And that's why it's going to stay that way. What you get out of it, if you really put the time in, it's it's beyond college. What's what's the average training? What's the average training you recommend for somebody that's forty to fifty years old? Seven days a week, or maybe go every other day? Kind of. I chill don't know. I train every twice a day, so I don't know what to tell you. But you, but you got, but you got, but, <laughs> but you, pro- you probably well. train a certain way. You train probably pretty smart. It's I train with specific really like, people. No, I, I train with them. the right people, but a handful of times a week, I'm fucking thudded out. I'm on there. It's huge, you know. Yeah. But your students are going to stay with you if you don't train with them. Totally, totally. That's kind of the... Well, what do you tell the white belt? What do you tell the white belt guy that's like 40, 50 years old that just wants to get in there and try and kill the 18-year-old guy? It's fine to that you're... It's a tough sport. There's no point in sugarcoating it and telling them that they're going to like, oh, you're going to be fine, you know? It's not. No, before you come in here, you're going to get lumped around and after wrestle, people are trying to strangle you, they're going to strangle you. You know what I mean? Well, it's the truth. For sure. I hear the way that people explain it. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, no, you're getting like, like geese across your face. You're going to have gee burns and all this shit. But you know what? In the end, you actually learn to fight. That's the part of it. You can go to cardio kickboxing for years and throw combos and yay, yay, yay. You can get your whatever degree in karate and never throw a fucking punch. We're in here. That's not the case. Sensei Tudor, thank you for your time, man. I appreciate it. Amen. Surf fight. Anytime you guys are in San Diego, you got to check the spot. The raddest spot ever. So, later, guys. Thanks, dude. Oh, good change. Frank Glover's teaching. That's it, guys, for today's podcast. Joel had to start class. 
So please like, subscribe, and please leave us a review. And also follow us at Show Your Roll and on showyourroll.com for all the new stuff that's coming out. So thank you. Have a great day, guys.